Hi, my name is Pastor Paul Goddard, and I would like to welcome you to the Sunday Sermon podcast series from Bethel Assembly of God. In these podcasts, we will be sharing our Sunday morning messages so that you can keep up with all the teachings that are going on here at Bethel. We want to invite you to join us in person on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 6029 Lapeer Road in Burton, Michigan. Bethel Assembly of God, we are a family. And as family, we grow. And as family, we go. I hope this message blesses and encourages you. Thank you. I want to get into a, a new series. This is something I wanted to talk about in the last series with our Back to Basics, and that is worship. Um, what I found is that I could not pare down everything I wanted to say about worship into one message. And I didn't want to do two messages because I said we were going to do seven weeks. And I was like, I don't want to go to eight weeks. Then I don't want to go to nine weeks. And then I don't want to go to ten weeks. So that seems like a really long series. So we're going to take a few weeks here and talk about worship. We are going to be in Mark chapter 12 today, if you have your Bibles with you. So we're going to take a few weeks to focus on the heart of worship for all believers. Uh, we're going to address the need to love God, to love other people, while really living out worship in our daily lives. Um, because the way we live out our lives paints a picture of what our hearts value. And God, God expects, uh, expects us to worship him with our entire being. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to get into. And it's hard to love God and worship him within our entire being with what we do with our lives says something different to people. So in order to understand what worshiping God in the most proper way looks like, it's going to begin with understanding who God is and who we are in connection to him. But just understanding how that works and the magnitude of that connection, it's not going to be enough. We have to accept that worship requires both the love of God and our response to that love. It's tied together. Uh, N.T. Wright explained worship this way. He said, the Jewish law begins with worship, with love of God, because if it's true that we're made in God's image, we will find our fullest meaning, our true selves, the more we learn to love and worship the one we are designed to reflect. No half measures, heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is, every aspect of human life is to be poured out gladly in worship of the one true God. Whatever we do, we are to do for him. If we truly lived like that for a single day, God's kingdom would have come on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the point. Jesus seems to think that through his kingdom work, this commandment is now within our reach. So I've told you before, I like word studies. I like figuring out where words come from, their basis, and how we get to where we are in our modern language. So the modern English word of worship um, comes from an old English word, warp. Can you say that with me? Warp. Yeah, I just wanted to make you say that. Um, it means significant, valuable, of value, valued, appreciated, highly thought of, deserving, meriting, honorable, noble, of high rank, suitable, proper, fit, or capable. The word forming element of seep, meaning quality, or condition, act, power, skill, office, position, 
relation between. So together, you put them together, and you had the word work skeep. Aren't you glad we don't talk like that anymore? It sounds like the Swedish chef. But we put them together and we get worship, which means the condition of being worthy and giving dignity, glory, distinction, honor, renown, and a sense of reverence that is paid to a supernatural or divine being. Mark 12, verses 28 through 34 says this. One of the scribes came and heard them reasoning together, perceiving that Jesus had answered them well. He asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Now, in some translations, it'll say the greatest commandment of all. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, that there is one God, and there is no other but him. To love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any question. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for the, the clarity it brings to us, for the revelation that it brings to us and helps guide us to where we need to be. How it helps guide us to an understanding of our relationship with you and how much you desire us to be a part of that relationship. Lord, I pray that as we go into this series, as we dive into your word today, Lord, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would reveal your word to us in new ways and greater understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the question of the greatest commandment is based in the Mosaic Law and the weight of Mosaic Law and what was really expected of a person who was looking to honor God. Now, I know we do this all the time. We talk about sin is sin, and every sin is of an equal weight in God's eyes. In Mosaic tradition and Mosaic law, we're not talking about sin. We are talking about the laws. Different laws, different commandments carried different weight. Now, James Edwards explains it. He says, the rabbinic tradition counted 613 commandments in the Torah, 365 prohibitions, and 248 positive commands. Among the commandments, rabbis differentiated between what they called a heavy and a light commandment. The latter made less demand on one's will or possessions, whereas heavy or weighty commandments concerned life's uncompromising essentials. Heavy commandments were accorded utmost seriousness, and when broken, were assessed the severest penalties. In Matthew 5.19, when Jesus spoke of breaking one of the least of these commandments, he himself observed the distinguish, distinguish, I'm sorry, distinction between heavy and light commandments. 
It was not uncommon to ask reputed teachers, as the scribe does in this instance, to declare themselves on the weightiest of the commandments or to summarize the Torah in a nutshell. The Mishnah and Talmud preserve a number of answers from famous rabbis to such questions. So there is really a difference in the questions that Jesus gets asked. A difference in the understanding of which commandments mean a little bit more. Which mean, which commandment takes more effort for us to keep? Which, which commandment is a little bit more serious? And so the problem with the question of worship is that worship can be misunderstood very much, especially today. When, when I say the word worship, we probably all get the same kind of picture in our head. It's what does a, what does a person look like when they're worshiping? Do they have their hands lifted? Are they clapping their hands? Do they dance? It, it's things we've seen in person. It's things we've seen on TV, on videos, in big conferences, things like that. Yes, we worship God by raising our hands, by even waving our hands. Worship can be sung, but worship is so much more than just that. So this morning, I want to look at what it means to really worship God. And this is our number one priority in life. Nothing is more important than learning how to love God. So we ought to learn what it really means if we're going to do it right. The first thing that we have to do, and this is right from Jesus' answer. Jesus said, love God with my heart and with all your soul. We need to love God passionately. God loves you passionately, and he wants you to love him passionately as well. We need to give God our affection. See, real worship is expressing my affection to God. That's what it means to love God passionately with all your heart and with all your soul. For some of us, expressing affection to anyone may be difficult. Not just to God, but difficult. You may have grown up in a home where affection wasn't openly shown. You may have been taught that, you know, there's a proper time and a proper place to really be passionate about God. Different things, because we all have different experiences. Perhaps, you know, you just didn't hear I love you a lot from people. Maybe you prefer to be reserved and you're a silent type. But you really need to be able to break out and grow in your relationship with God and learn to say, I love you, Jesus. You have got to. When you worship God, see, there's two important components. In whatever way you're going to express, where you're reserved, outgoing, whatever, in whatever way you express your love to God, these things are a part of it. The first is this. Worship is a response. It's a response. It's our response to God. Paul actually writes that worship is in view of God's mercy. How many people here have received mercy from God this morning? Then the call for response is worship to God in response to that. Because of God's mercy and love for us, we should naturally be able to respond with worship to him. Because God took the initiative. I think that's amazing. Anything God asks us to do, he has taken the first step. 
God has taken the initiative. He has asked us to love him passionately, to give him our affection. And the miracle in that is God took the first step and God has loved us first. God is not waiting for you. He has loved you before you even knew it. And he is waiting for you to respond with worship and affection. We live our lives in affection for God as a living sacrifice because of his great mercy. Romans 5.8 in the NIV says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God put his love on the line. Long before we ever thought about loving him, Jesus loved us. And God is still finding ways of giving his love to us long before we even think about loving him in return. One of my favorite, favorite parts of the Bible, his mercies are new each morning. Which morning? Each morning, there is a new reason for me to love and to worship God. Each morning. Worship is always our response to God. The second is this. Worship is giving back to God. The simple definition of worship is loving God back. Worship is all about what we give to God as an offering. And I think what's amazing, this is not talking about financial giving. This is not talking about your tithes, your offering, or anything like this. This is giving God an offering of love. This is giving God an offering of praise and adoration. Worship is about everything we do and say, everything we are and everything we hope to be. It's about everything we possess, everything we will. We offer God everything back as living sacrifices because worship is giving back to God. And God has passionately expressed his love for us. How do we respond? We respond by giving back to God our love with passionate affection. Hosea 6.6 6 in the Living Bible says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. God wants you to love him. God wants you to know him. Your first and greatest purpose of this life is to know and to love God to love God passionately, and to give him your affection. There's nothing that's more important. So when you get up every morning, before you get out of bed, first stretch, don't hurt yourself. Sit on the edge of your bed and say, say a little prayer. Say something like this, just a little one. God, if I don't get anything else done today, at the end of this day, I want to know you a little bit better and I want to love you a little bit more. See, at the end of every day, if you've prayed that prayer and you can say that you know God a little bit better and that you love him a little bit more, no matter how bad your day was, no matter how unaccomplished you feel, no matter how many things are left on your to-do list, doesn't matter if you had a meltdown, if things are falling apart, how good, how bad, if at the end of the day you know God a little better and you love him a little more, that day is a success. 
The second thing Jesus said is Jesus said, love God with all your mind. We need to love God thoughtfully. God doesn't want you to love him blindly. If he did, we wouldn't have this thing that gets in the way, this free will. If God wanted to create drones that would just love him, that's what he would have created. Instead, he created us to be able to choose. God wants you to be able to think, to love him with thought, to know him and love him thoughtfully. To do that, we need to give God our attention. See, in a lot of religions, the idea of worship is to put your mind into neutral, to unplug it, sort of lose it to everything else that's around you. But the truth is, God doesn't want you to do that. God wants us to worship him thoughtfully. He wants us engaged with who he is. And it takes energy. It takes getting our mind focused on God. I think one of the hardest things to do in all the years while I was a youth pastor was to, to be able to teach young people how to shift on a Wednesday night from everything that went on during their day to being able to listen to God for an hour and a half, to be able to plug in and praise and to listen to a sermon and to engage with it in their small groups. That was the hardest thing that I had to do. And everybody talks about difficult teenagers, their behavior, all that, no problem. But getting them to learn to shift from having their attention on one thing to have it in them to God was an entirely different thing. Have you ever prayed on autopilot? You've got to pray. It's a checklist item. So you just pray. You know what I mean, right? We just zone out and go through the motions. It takes, it takes an effort to truly focus on God and to think about him. This is one of the reasons that I pray throughout the day instead of praying when I first wake up in the morning. Because most of the time when I first wake up in the morning, my first thought is, how many times can I actually hit my snooze button? Or why isn't my coffee ready? Because I haven't gotten up and made it yet. It takes effort and focus. So when I pray, when I read my Bible, I want to make sure I have that. I want to make sure I have the focus, that I have the energy to actually dial in to pay attention to what I'm doing. Because God wants your attention. God wants you to focus on him. Because God's focused on you. And I think that's amazing. The creator of the universe is focused on you. Not just on us, but on you as an individual. You are the focus of his love, and he can't take his eyes off of you. God knows all about you, and he never stops thinking about you. It may not be easy at first to give God your attention, to love him thoughtfully, but we will discover that there's an incredible blessing as we go through that journey of learning to focus on him and learning to love him, that when we do it, it makes it easier because focusing on God is going to give us peace. Isaiah 26.3 in the New Living Translation says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. See, when you focus on yourself and your problems, the results are always going to be the same. 
the inevitable results are going to be thoughts of worry, insecurity, anxiety, guilt, fear, discouragement. But when the focus shifts from me to God, when we give our attention to God, all of a sudden we begin to sense hope. We sense gratitude, confidence, love, peace. Because his peace guards our hearts and our minds, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our situation. God will give us peace because our minds are focused on him. We worship God as we love God passionately, giving him our affection. We worship God as we love God thoughtfully, giving him our attention. The third thing that Jesus told the man is, Jesus said, love God with all your strength. See, God wants us to love him practically. We need to love God practically. God wants us to love him with our actions. God wants more than just lip service. He wants more than just songs sung to him. He wants us to love him in everything and in every way. We need to give our actions to God as well. Worshiping God passionately and thoughtfully is good. In fact, it's great. But to completely do it with everything we have in our entire beating, being means that we have to do it in action. We need to also give back to God with some practical expressions of love. We need to love God with our actions. We all know the phrase, actions speak louder than words. The things we do can be done for ourselves. Or we can do them for God. We get to choose which way that is. When we do them for God, we are truly speaking and doing a life of worship. Colossians 3.23 in the New Living Translation says, Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So, a lot of people, I don't know if you guys know this yet, um, but I took on a second job a few weeks ago, and it's not my favorite thing in the world. It's not. Um, I would love to be able to just be focused completely, 100% on pastoring and growing the church, but at the time being, I need to do this. So I'm working at a bakery, which, number one, is dangerous because I like things. Um, number two, I have to get up at 5.30 in the morning every day. And um, I've said this before, 5.30 in the morning, I think, should be illegal. Should not be allowed. Should not exist. So I remember when I walked into this situation, and the one thing I said was, okay, I have to do this right now. I get a choice. I can work this job and hate it and be miserable and be grouchy. Or I can work this job and give thanks to God because it lets me do what I need to do. It gives me the time I need to work on the things of his kingdom for his church. It helps provide for my family. And I get to meet new people and talk to Jesus about them. I got to choose how I did that. So I chose to have a better attitude, not a perfect attitude, a better attitude. And I walked in, 
And, and in the short time I've been there, um, all of a sudden, I went from, you know, I'm the guy that helps out behind the counter and doesn't know how to do anything in a bakery to, to the guy where the general manager is asking me HR questions on how to handle situations because she's never managed anything before. And so all of a sudden, I'm helping out. I met a young lady who is a, a worship intern at a church in Lansing, and she has tons of questions about how churches work and all these things, and I get to talk to her. I've had several interactions with customers who are believers and uh, have come in and somehow have heard that there's a pastor working at the bakery, and I have no idea how, um, but they're like, are you the pastor guy? I'm like, I am, I'm the pastor guy. And so we talk, and they're excited, and all this stuff. So that verse, work hard and cheerfully in whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. I'm telling you, if you get this verse, if you understand this verse, if you can apply it to your life, it will absolutely revolutionize the way you look at everything. You will never be the same. Whatever you do, that means anything and everything you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. Too often, we want to compartmentalize our lives. Many of you will think or are thinking, okay, worship is my number one priority in life, so if I'm going to fulfill my God-given purpose, then I need to pray and read my Bible more. I don't want that to be the only thing you get from today's message. Prayer and Bible study is important. That's why we've launched a Bible study on Wednesday night, because it's important. But worship is so much more than just praying. It's so much more than just studying God's word. Because here's the thing, and be grateful that for this, you don't have to join a monastery to worship God. You don't have to be in church. Now, don't be grateful for this. You don't have to be in church seven days a week to worship God. Some of us just need to work on our attitudes of what we're doing. Tweak them just a little bit. And all of a sudden, we're worshiping God seven days a week with what we do and who we're doing it for. I mean, we get to look at it and we get to say, who is my boss going to be? Is it the person who signs my paycheck or the God who created me? You see, it's not what you do that's important. It's who you do it for. In other words, you can still do all the right things and do them for all the wrong reasons. When God is your boss, your work becomes worship. It doesn't matter what your job may be. Blue collar, white collar, no collar, stay at home. You could be a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker. Doesn't matter. You get to do it for God. I could keep going. There are more jobs. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter what you do. It's who you're doing it for. Now, I know I don't want to burst bubbles here this morning, but God really isn't into incense and candles and rituals. He's not. He's into this kind of worship that says, God, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do it for you.
And when you do that, then your life becomes an act of worship. Because what true worship is, what it really is, it's a seven day a week, 24 hour a day, 365 day a year lifestyle. It's an all the time thing. And that makes it hard because people struggle to be consistent in their worship. While there are a variety of reasons for this, perhaps one of the most effective ways of keeping God on the throne of our hearts is to practice gratitude. Pastor Gavin Ortland struggled with consistency of worshiping God himself. Um, however, he found that when he refocused his energy to gratefulness, it became more natural to him. He says this, he said, gratitude is powerful. It's easy to underestimate. Sometimes it's a simple thing, like the bite of a chocolate chip cookie. Or the beauty of the sun upon green leaves. Often it's my family, my house, a church that accepts and loves me. Then I keep thinking of things, books that have been accepted. Living in California, a place I love. Good health, friends, my gym membership, memories. On and on I can go. Even just thinking about gratitude gives me joy. Talking about it gives me even more. Whatever we have to do to keep Jesus at the forefront and Jesus at the center of our lives, we are called to worship him with the totality of our being. I want to close with this today. I'm going to ask Becky and Earl to uh, come join me this morning. Why is it important? that we learn to love God in these three ways. Even though God created the universe and everything in it and owns it all, even though God created you, God does not have these three things unless you give them to him. And I know that sounds strange. There's three things that God doesn't have. God does not have your affection unless you give it to him. And that's loving God passionately. God does not have your attention unless you choose to love God thoughtfully with your mind. And God doesn't have your actions unless you love God practically with all your strength. Worship is simply loving God back as we give God our affection, our attention, and our actions. See, the passage ends with Jesus telling the lawyer, you are not far from the kingdom of God. In a chapter that seems bent on correcting false teachings, and, or at least false piety, and, and breaking down into some humility, Jesus commends this man for his response. See, when we find ourselves fully immersed in worship of God with our entire being, God receives that and says to us, you are not far from the kingdom of God. When we worship with our entire person, we make ourselves available to God's leading. When we choose to follow after God's leading, then we are more available to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that is the outflow of a person who is worshiping God. When we give God our affection, our attention, and our actions, we are not far from the kingdom of God.
Thank you for joining us here today on the Bethel Sermon Series podcast. We want to invite you to join us in person at 6029 Lapeer Road on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also find out more information on our Facebook page or go to our website at www.bethelfamily.live. That's www.bethelfamily.live for more information. God bless. Have a great week. Subscribe and join us back for next week. Thank you.